Well, we're sort of starting a new message series this morning. It's on the sign. It says it's a new message series, but it's in context of um, hosting the Holy Spirit, like we've been talking about. So I, I don't want to leave that theme uh, this year. I want to um, stick with this. I want us to think about hosting His presence. Matter of fact, the Wednesday night Bible study um, that will be uh, looking at for the next seven weeks uh, will be in that context also, except for the book's name is, is face-to-face, but it's going to be in context of hosting uh, his presence. And um, the message today is Jesus said it. And um, we're going to be looking at living this peaceful life uh, because, and you're going to hear me say this a lot, that God has given us a life that he wants us to live, and a life full of stress is not it, okay? Uh, He did not create you to be all stressed out. He did not create me to be all stressed out and all upset and all consternated and all uh, uh, frustrated about this life, okay? That's not the reason he put us here. He has given us power, ladies and gentlemen. It's a power that we're not tapping into. Every person here at this, this past week has felt some kind of a stress in your life. And, um, and, and some is good, some is bad. But the truth of the matter is, um, Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, you will have troubles. And that sounds almost like he's saying, okay, you're going to have stress. But that's not what he's saying. Everybody here in this room is going to have troubles. You've had them this past week probably. And, um, and, and, and continuing troubles, and there will be in the future. And, and the, but the truth of the matter is, he said, I've overcome the world, though. There's a life beneath the life that you see, ladies and gentlemen. Second Corinthians calls it not looking at the things you see, but at the things we don't see. It's a life underneath circumstances. And that is the life we are to rejoice in. You are not to be, and I'm not to be underneath our circumstances of this life. Someone has said, you may feel there's nothing you can do about stress. The bills won't stop coming. There will never be more hours in the day, and your work and family responsibilities will always be demanding. But you have more control over stress than you might think. Stress management is all about taking charge of your lifestyle, thoughts, emotions, and the way you deal with problems. No matter how stressful your life seems, there are steps you can take to relieve the pressure and regain the control. And we're going to start that with what Jesus said. Now, folks, some of the sayings you're going to hear me say, especially the next couple of Sundays, but throughout these messages, you're going to attribute them to someone else. Because you've heard some other leader, Sam, or you've heard some other preacher, Sam. But these are Jesus' sayings. These are Jesus' thoughts. These are Jesus' ideas. He is the one who said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I, not your circumstances, not your job, not your family, I, the Bible says, will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest. You shall find peace 
unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, come unto me, take my yoke, and learn of me are three commands that Jesus gives us to have peace. Today, we're only going to have time to look at the first one, come unto me. But believe me, ladies and gentlemen, he has a lot to say about stress in our life. He has a lot to say about peace. And I've chosen to, uh, you know, at first I put down, and I might even still have it on our web, about living the stress-free life. Well, that's um, pretty much impossible to do um, because there is good stress, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I want to accentuate, accentuate, Ah, get, my, get my tongue out of my eye teeth so I can see straight this morning. Uh, I want to accentuate um, the positive this morning. Okay, I never have been really, really good with my S's, have I, hon? Um, my tongue, for some reason or another, just won't get out there. I, I relate with Moses real well when it comes to my S's, especially. Um, you, have, you have to ask yourself, what is stress? Uh, a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting, now this is a key word, from the adverse demanding circumstances. And again, ladies and gentlemen, circumstances should not be dictating our peace. What's going on on the outside right now should not be dictating to you what's going on on the inside. Uh, there is good stress and there um, is bad stress. And um, the question is, do you think your body can tell a difference? Well, actually, it can. And this morning, I want to read to you just a little bit about the bad stress versus good stress. And by the way, I've done a little bit of uh, uh, clinical research here. Um, I've, um, I've got some books by doctors um, who are Christians. I like to consult uh, Christian uh, doctors in this case about stress and stress management. Um, but it says bad stress can be termed as distress and manifests itself in a chronic or ongoing stress that begins to hinder your everyday life. Now that's important uh, to realize and stops you from completing tasks that you need to undertake. This particular type of stress is not relieved, if not relieved, can be extremely detrimental to your health. Elevated levels of stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline are fine in the short term, but in the long run, they lean, lead to weakened adrenals. The body's immune system can be particularly affected by bad stress, leading to a far greater susceptibility to illnesses such as colds, coughs, and flus. In more serious cases, both the digestive system and reproductive system begin are affected. Research has also linked bad stress to ailments including depression, heart disease, weight gain, and memory loss, and cancer's not there, but my friend um, who actually led me to Christ when I was a teenager, he teaches in college, on, um, in a secular, some secular colleges, and he teaches about the effects, adverse effects of stress on your life. And he says to me, he said, Jim, stress is the number one killer in the world. And um, he said, because stress leads to cancers, and it leads to uh, strokes, and it leads to heart attacks, and it leads to all sorts of ailments that we just think, oh, well, I just happened to get that. But the truth matter is, ladies and gentlemen, we're living in a society, especially in the, the new communication era that we're in, where stress has become prevalent in a person's life and even in a Christian's life. Um, 
the acrostic that I found for stress, I thought this was inter- interesting. Senseless thoughts repeated endlessly surrounding self. What a great acrostic this is. Senseless thoughts repeated endlessly surrounding uh, self. Uh, the stress uh, affects all sorts of areas of our life. It affects our body. It affects our mind. It affects our emotions. It, it affects our behavior. And um, with the body, you're talking about fatigue and headaches and skin irritations. And folks, this is just touching the surface of what stress does to you. Um, with the mind, you worry and you, you make wrong decisions and you have impaired judgment. I'm going to tell you something, my friend. It's a very spiritual thing, a very spiritual matter to deal with in your life. Because when you go home and you're all stressed out and the words come out of your mouth that shouldn't be coming and the, the anger comes out that shouldn't be coming, the Bible condemns that. It says that is wrong. And so love and salvation and everything starts at home. And so many times our stress levels are so high, it causes us to lose sleep and it causes us to be accident prone and, and irritability and depression and so uh, so many uh, other uh, avenues. I will tell you this, though. There is such a thing as good stress. It's also known by the term eustress. It's a type of mild stress that people experience on a regular basis. And instead of debilitating them, it will inspire and propel them to complete a given task or goal. Instead of being harmful and detrimental to the body, it's been proven that mild, bo- uh, mild bouts of eustress have been shown to actually enhance and improve cognitive brain function. Crucially, it's only manifests itself for a short time. This refreshes the body's fight or flight response without prolonging and weakening it. Eustress occurs during events and moments in an individual's life when a degree of motivation is needed to overcome a potentially difficult obstacle, but an obstacle that is inherently manageable. Examples of such an obstacle include working hard to meet a deadline for an essay or for a presentation of work, preparing for a test, whether it be an exam or more practical adventure like a driving test, or finding confidence to write and give speech in front of a large crowd of people. And folks, there are things that, um, that actually help us that it's called eustress. It's not called the negative kind of, of stress that hurts your body. And this excites us to go on. It, it motivates us to go on. It helps us with our thinking patterns when we need it the most. Um, to, to be a little bit uptight before you go into a test is actually, I have found going through school, through college, and whatever has actually helped me. Helps me think. Helps me do better. But folks, to prolong this pressure is detrimental to our health. And um, this morning, that's what we want to uh, look at. There are um, causes, again, this is from the Summit Medical Group. Uh, they call it the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, good type of stress, retirement, getting married, have children, buy a new home, go on vacation, new job promotion. All these um, good things that happen, even vacations, can cause stress. How many of you have been on vacation that didn't cause stress? Uh, that would be a better question. I mean, you know, hon, when we went down to, um, where we go there in Georgia? Tybee. And the flight 
we sat on the runway for two hours. And then we missed our next flight. We ended up having to spend the night in New York City. Who wants to spend a night in New York City when you can be on a beach somewhere? Amen? I mean, it's like... But you know what? Stress happens even on vacation sometimes. And we have to admit that. We have to come to a conclusion that stress is there if, if we allow it to be there. Uh, the bad, we break a leg, spouse becomes ill, child gets in trouble, we lose wallet, and in-laws coming out. Um, let's move on. The ugly, um, nasty car accident, bankruptcy, divorce, illness, loved ones dying, and so on. And uh, we can uh, look at these and we think about, well, um, Jim, you've been talking about Jesus and the dove, and you've been talking about the Holy Spirit and how the dove rests on Jesus, and here's Jesus. And I know for a fact, Jim, I know for a fact, I mean, Jesus had stress in his life because, man, he gets the Garden of Gethsemane. It's so strong, he sweats as great drops of blood. And you're right. And Jesus went through a whole lot for you and for me, so we, don't, we didn't have to. Look at this verse in Isaiah 53, 5. He was pierced for our transgressions. So you and I don't have to bear them. He was crushed for our iniquities. Now watch this. The um, punishment that brought, us, that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. You see that middle phrase there? The punishment that brought us peace. Our Lord went through all the stress that needed to be gone through. So, ladies and gentlemen, you can have peace. That's what he said. We need to remember every day that Jesus died so that we can truly live. And folks, listen, I'm excited about heaven someday, okay? I'm excited about um, the fact that I get to go and be with the Lord. Amen? Are you excited about that today? But I want to live right now. Amen? And as the woman we saw this morning on um, War Room goes outside and goes through her house and screams at the devil, get out of my life, get out of my house, and you're not going to take my joy from me anymore. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, we need to tell Satan he's done enough and, and get, get gone. Listen, speak the word at him. And there's plenty of word that we're going to see over the next several weeks that we can speak at, at Satan to enhance and prove the peace that God has given to us. The peace, the Bible says, that passes all understanding. The joy that no man can take from you. Amen? Oh boy, oh my. Because many of us lost our joy this past week because of someone, didn't we? Oh, that's not what the Bible says. You know, uh, Jesus speaks to us in John chapter 14 and verse 27. And I put two different versions up there because I use the NLT a lot. I like the King James Version. That's my old stomping ground there. Um, he said, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, um, he says, I give you peace. But not as the world gives. Now, if you look at the NLT on the right there, he says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled 
or be afraid. Okay, now here's the deal. He leaves you a gift. He leaves me a gift because of this. He did it all for us. The gift is peace. And because of this, because of the resurrection, you and I can have peace when we should be in turmoil. He said, this gift that I give to you, you won't find in circumstances. You won't find in your job. You won't find in your family. You won't find in your friends. Nothing here on earth is where you'll find this. It has to be found in me. Now, the truth of the matter is, whenever we aren't at peace, we become very poor in two vital areas. Worship, and we become poor in our witness. Okay, um, What's the difference between your God and everybody else's God out there? And people who don't even have a God. All they got is himself. The difference shows up, ladies and gentlemen, during the most intense circumstances in a person's life. It shows up in what happened this past week, Steve. Uh, you and your dear wife and family and putting your mom body, not your mom, in the ground. But you know what? The peace that passes all understanding took place at that funeral. It was a wonderful celebration of a godly life. And um, I think about um, Mary and Martha. And you know this story, and I'm going to be bringing this up uh, several weeks later. But here's Martha serving, and, and she's all upset because Mary... Um, is not helping her, and Mary there is at Jesus' feet, and, um, and she looks at the Lord, and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? What a statement to make to God. What a statement to make to Jesus. <laughs> don't you care? Doesn't it matter to you? And the phrase that Jesus gives back to her, he, and Martha, you're worried and upset. In the King James, it says, Martha, you're, you're very, you have a lot of cares, and it has cumbered about your life. That word cumbered means to take up space in the Greek. Uh, Martha, you're missing two very important aspects here. You're missing what Mary has as far as being a witness in front of others, what's most important, but you're missing the worship itself. And my friend, when we're upset... When we're all under the circumstances in life, we miss the worship. So many people walk into church and out of church, and they're so cumbered about. Life has taken up space in their heart where worship should be there. God should be there. And then they take that out in the world, and they complain, and they murmur, and they're upset about this, and they're upset about that. And their testimony, ladies and gentlemen, is shot. Oh, we get to Saturday after complaining all week. How would you like to go to church with me this week? Why would I want to go to church with you? Someone has said, worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its troubles. It empties today of its strength. Martha's worry did not go away. It just emptied her of the privilege of worshiping. Jesus Christ at that time. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. And my friend, as the picture shows right there, 
Sometimes God calms the storm, and sometimes he lets the storm rage, rage, and he'll calm his child. Your storms are not an automatic just because you're a Christian. They're not an automatic go away. No, God never promised you that you would have a stormless life. Matter of fact, he promised you you would have a stormy life in John 16, 33. I guess, would you say this verse with me again? I enjoyed you saying this with me on Easter. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And we say that so often. We talk about that. And this is why I'm not understanding if we really believe that, why are we so fretful? How many of you believe that Jesus loves you this morning? You believe that? I mean, you really believe it? I mean, he loves you so much, he died on the cross for you. Who would do that? He died on the cross for you, but he won't take care of your everyday business? My friend, it's a matter of trust. It's a matter of letting go. It's a matter of letting God and taking care of this, realizing this love that by, the Bible says neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor either any other created thing shall be able to separate us from. My friend, I don't know about you, but I have a God who loves me so much, no one can come in between it. Jesus made this statement. He says, I want you to have a life that is rich, and I want you to have a life... That's satisfying, but you need to understand this. <laughs> when he's talking about a rich life, he's not talking to you about gold. He's not talking to you about a prestige and power. Other people might have it, ladies and gentlemen, but that's not the promise. The promise is he'll give you a rich and satisfying life in peace. He'll give it to you in joy. He'll give it to you in love. He'll give it to you in patience. He'll give it to you in gentleness. He'll give it to you in goodness. And I could go on and on and on about the riches in God's word that he'll give to you. That's worth billions of dollars. People who have billions of dollars don't have peace. And they don't have joy. Andy Stanley made a statement that's very controversial. It could be disputed with 1 Corinthians where Bible says, Paul says, If Christ not be risen from the dead, we are of all men most miserable. But... Andy Stanley, I believe, Charles Stanley's son, is talking about something different here. He said, even if you don't believe he's the son of God, by following his teachings, you can have a better life. And the truth of the matter is, this book and the, and the commandments of this book were not written for him. They were written for us. They were written for our enjoyment. They were written for our health. They were written for our peace of mind. Now listen to me. If you were to just follow the rules of this book, your, the holistic part of your life would be better. The quality of your life would be better. I would be a very miserable person because I'm looking for a greater hope in this life. And that's what, this phrase would only apply if you're only looking at this life. But I'm looking at a life, ladies and gentlemen, after this life. Amen. I'm ready. I'm ready to see him. Praise the Lord. But while I'm here, like I said, I want to live. And Jesus made this statement. He said, you come unto me and don't run away from me. And, and, and you can't run from him anyway. God makes this statement. You can't, you can't hide. Remember Adam and Eve? 
in the garden. You remember um, how they tried to hide from God? It didn't do a whole lot of good, did it? <laughs> you, remember, uh, you remember Jonah? You remember Jonah um, and how he thought he was going to run from God on a ship somewhere? <laughs> I wish I had time to finish my message this morning. I have so much more I'd like to give to you today, but you're going to have to come back next week and get it. Listen to me. God loves you. And when circumstances are adverse, when pressure comes on you, the place is, the, the thing to do is not to ru- try to run from God like people do. So many times people get in trouble, and you know what they do? They run away from the church. They walk away from the church. They, they quit their devotions. They quit their praying. They quit their Bible reading. You know why? They're so frustrated. They can't focus anymore on God. And God wants you to know that when the troubles come, it's time to run to Him. Run into His arms. Because you can't hide. This morning... I spent many years as a Christian, as a pastor, not at peace. Up to a little bit over five years ago, I'd go home after a Sunday morning message. I don't care how well the service went or how bad it went. I was unbearable to live with. Things never went quite the way I thought they should. There was no peace in my life. But you know what? Five and a half years ago, God changed that for me. And I've come to a conclusion that God's in charge. And the results are not up to me. You see, people ask me counsel all the time. You know what my responsibility is? Is to give them God's word. What they do with it is their responsibility. I'm not responsible for what they end up doing. It's amazing to me. They want somebody to listen to them. They want someone to cry on. But they really don't want the truth. And here's here's the deal right here. Here's the deal. Listening and obeying are two different things. Our God said you can have peace and you can have joy if you want it. But you've got to listen and obey what he says. It won't be found anywhere else. You might have happiness for a while. Things will run smooth for a while. But I guarantee you, eventually, things are going to crash. Eventually. Father, today, we need you so desperately. Lord, our world needs you. Our political system needs you. But Lord, other than that, most importantly, we need you. And we need for you to revive our hearts. We need for you to revive our lives. We need for you to be in control. As Colossians says, may your spirit be the ruler, the umpire, the referee of peace in our heart. I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit would fill this place. Dear God, that you would work in ways.